All righty. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of Roundabout Sports presented by Interstate 70 Sports Media, where our passion is our profession. Thank you for tuning in to the season three finale on this little snowy December 27th, 2023. I'm the maestro Jeremy Carp alongside Jared Shannon. How's it going, Jared? You know, it is going very phenomenal. It's been a great week. Great couple of days, actually. You know, you had a very good football game with the Raiders and Chiefs. Very good. It, it was a great Christmas. Great snowy weather that the sky is blessing us with. So I guess it's time we we just let the elephant out of the room here and just discuss the first thing on the agenda, and that is the fact that the Las Vegas Raiders embarrassed the Kansas City Chiefs on Christmas Day um, and by the score of 20 to 14. It may not sound like it's embarrassing, but let, let me put this into perspective. I want to go through some quick tidbits, and I know, oh, excuse me, I know that Jared's absolutely excited about this. The reason this was embarrassing for the Chiefs is Aiden O'Connell did not have a single completion in the second, third, or fourth quarters for the Raiders. Um, the Chiefs had minus 18 total yards after the first quarter. Um, in the span of seven seconds, the um, Raiders had two defensive touchdowns. Mahomes was seen on the sideline yelling at his offensive line, and Travis Kelsey was on the sideline throwing his helmet and slamming it in disgust to the point where he was benched for a play by Coach Andy Reid. Nothing seemed to go right for the Chiefs. They did get a late touchdown by Justin Watson um, from uh, Patrick Mahomes. Um, and uh, good evening to Tyler Cooley tuning in. Um, I'm happy you're finally able to catch a live episode, most definitely. And, folks, you can find us on Spotify, um, on Breaker, on Google Podcast, iTunes, anywhere you get a podcast, you can find us. And, folks, but let me let me tell you, the biggest thing about the Chiefs that was clear to me about this game was that nobody was really afraid, is really afraid of the Chiefs right now. Now, the past few years, the Chiefs are basically – you know, that team, the one that nobody wants to mess with, the one that everybody's afraid to play. Um, it's not like that right now. Right now, um, you know, there's no true home field advantage. And with the loss to the Raiders, Jared, the Chiefs are eliminated from getting the number one seed, which means even though they'll probably host a playoff game, they won't get the true home field advantage and they won't get an off week. So they will be playing a game during the wild card week. What was your takeaway from this unbelievable just cluster of a loss for Kansas City? You know, some people may say it's unbelievable cluster. I look at it. It was a phenomenal game. Uh, Patrick Mahomes always failing as usual when stakes are high and of course that game was high christmas day a lot was on the line for the chiefs uh as i see it one game closer for them to be eliminated completely in my eyes but if you look at that game it you i don't 
I want to put it in perfect words to say the Chiefs were trying, but it truly showed they were lacking the, I want to say, ambition of wanting to win, per se. Go ahead. You look at the Raiders' side of things, they just completely ran through the Chiefs. Any chance they got ran right through them. And, and I want to just kind of reiterate, the good doctor, and this is where I disagree. The good doctor definitely has a good point. He's tuning in. Thank you so much. And be sure to check out his book that you can get on Amazon and on Barnes & Noble for the love of the show. Um, on our Interstate 70 Sports Media Facebook page, we also have an interview that he recently did with Busted Open Radio on Sirius XM. Definitely worth listening to. But I want to get to his point. He says, Mahomes failing when the game is on the line. And, and that's what I want to say. Mahomes is one of the most clutch quarterbacks in the NFL. And I, to me, it's not Mahomes that's failing. It's his wide receivers. It's his offensive line. The defense is great. Travis Kelsey's, you know, injury riddled right now, but he's still just as much of a workhorse. He's going to surpass 1,000 yards. He's still elite. But right now, the majority of the offense that's around Patrick Mahomes is the reason the Chiefs aren't going to be the number one seed. They're the reason. I mean, when your number one receiver is essentially uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and, you know, Rasheed Rice, and don't get me wrong, Rice has been doing well, but the Chiefs don't have that true elite number one wide receiver anymore. And ever since Tyreek left. Um and that, you know, Mahomes can only do so much. And it's finally caught up to them. The defense, like I said, has been playing lights out. Um, something that you don't hear much when it comes to the Chiefs. You're used to their offense. Right now, it's definitely the defense that's the better part of the team. Um, a win this Christmas would have... Um, won them the division. I still think the Chiefs will win the AFC West, although it should have happened already. Now, the good doctor also says that uh, Matt Nagy needs to go. Look, it, he is no Eric Bien-Enemy. Bien-Enemy. Couldn't even get my words out. Um, and it's shown. He struggled when he was head coach of the Bears, Nagy is just not connecting well with any of the offensive weapons, let alone with Coach Andy Reid. Um, I agree that Nagy needs to be let go. I think there's plenty of other candidates that the Chiefs could probably find out there uh, in the market when it comes to offensive coordinators. But right now, the Chiefs are a mess. And to me, the last person you can blame is Patrick Mahomes. He's the first person you can blame. When you look at the Chiefs, who do you immediately think of? Patrick Mahomes. He's the quote-unquote leader in the locker room, possibly, as most would say. It falls back on him. He needs to get his people in line, honestly. But when it also falls back on Andy Reid. When you look at the management, it falls under him. Oh, I am not a Raiders fan. Uh... Mr. Carp, who am I a fan of? Um, 
I can't remember off the top of my head, but I do know that you are not a Raiders fan. Um, no, we- I can I can confirm that Jared is not a Raiders fan, but I will tell you this: he is a big time anti Chiefs fan. <laughs> there we go. And when you look at the last five years of Chiefs versus Raiders, the last time the Raiders defeated the Chiefs was October 11th of 2020. It was a 40-32 game. But when you look at this recent one, it's a 20-14. During that time, both both teams have changed. But it still comes to the fact that Chiefs really improved during that time but what has happened just this year this season alone that has dragged the chiefs down has it been the egos of being a champion is it something that's going on with management or they're just not connecting with each other's this season i look at mahomes right now and i mean his stats are still good. I'm not going to act like his, that Mahomes um, has been, like, unstoppable this season. He has almost 4,000 yards. He has 26 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, which is definitely different than um, what you would expect from Mahomes. That's a lot of turnovers, especially for him. But the thing of it is, he's still got a 66.9 completion percentage. And a lot of that comes from, I mean, despite the fact that look at the guys that he's having to throw to, you know, it, some and in some cases, it's not that they're bad receivers. They're just young and inexperienced. You got right now, the Chiefs are trying to build an offense because around the fact that Travis Kelsey's 34 and look, Patrick Mahomes is going to be still the franchise guy for a long time. Um, I will say that the fat, and I'm agreeing with the good doctor on this, the Chiefs did not go get a uh, number one wide receiver in the offseason. There was plenty of guys, probably most notably, you could have got DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I'm not going to go out and say he's having a 1,000-yard season with the Titans, but shit, look who's... The quarterbacks for Tennessee right now, you had Tannehill, Malik Willis, and Will Levis. Not exactly the great trio right there. You could have had D-Hop catching passes from Mahomes. But because the Chiefs don't have a number one wide receiver, Mahomes only has can really only trust the one guy that's getting triple teamed in the middle of the field by either linebackers or defensive backs being Travis Kelsey. Offensive line has been getting bullied most of the season. They're not up to their usual standards. Um, The controversial ball starts and calls that have been on them all season long are not getting any better. Um, It's just been a mess from start to finish. And I'm going to say one thing. In a little bit, I'm going to get to another point, but not yet. I'm just – I do not blame Patrick Mahomes for this. Or has he made mistakes along the way? Of course he has. But if you're honestly going to tell me one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL is the reason the Chiefs are where they're at at only eight and six – I'm sorry, nine and six. 
You're telling me that they're the re- he's the reason they're at nine and six. No, I I don't believe it. And before I and before I get back to you, I'm gonna say this: we are I'm getting updates right now on who has been named finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2024. I will keep you all posted on that as we get to it. I can announce right now that the three that have been announced so far are former Texans wide receiver Andre Johnson, former Colts wide receiver Reggie Wayne, and former uh, punt returner and kick returner and wide receiver Devin Hester. They've been named finalists so far. But, Jared, continue your point. Pretty much my point just comes to there was something that happened earlier this season where just the Chiefs aren't clicking as they usually do. Don't get me wrong. I respect the Chiefs. I respect what they do on that field. Just for the reason of not many people can do that football thing. But on the other hand, oh yeah, I hate the Chiefs. I would rather cheer for the Bills or the Chargers or L.A. But it just still comes to the fact. The person to blame will always be Patrick Mahomes along with Andy Reid. Those are your two main faces right there. They need to put their heads together to figure out where is this issue where we aren't clicking as we normally do. And I also just want to say uh, Julius Peppers has also now been named former DN of the Carolina Panthers has been named a finalist. I th- Look, I get it. You know, usually the one to blame when these situations arise are the quarterback or whoever is the franchise face. But, and I, and I get it. Mahomes has not looked like the elite self he's been over the years, but he's still elite. Um, to me, the Chiefs offense is always one in which you got to be careful of as long as Mahomes is under center. But once again, as I say, and as, you know, a lot of people that have been tuning in so far have commented, who is he throwing to that is intimidating besides Travis Kelsey? Who out of these wide receivers... Like, I, I really want to um, make this clear right now. Um, you know, you got Richie James, Kadarius Tony, Justin Watson, Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice, Nicole Hardman. Out of all those guys, who is, like, literally and legitimately a top threat? None of them. And I'm not saying they're all bad. I think guys like Rice and Sky Moore can actually be really good in the future for the Chiefs. But right now, the Chiefs don't have a legitimate number one guy. And because of that, most of the attention will be forced. In fact, you want somebody else who's affected negatively by this? Isaiah Pacheco, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jarek McKinnon. The load is being put more on them because the Chiefs can't get as much going in the passing game as they used to, so they're being forced to run the ball more. I take a look at where Kansas City is. You know, I look at some of the playoff teams. Um, If the Browns win tomorrow night against the New York Jets, 
um, they automatically clinch a playoff spot. Um, right now they are 10 and five. And as you can see, I'm decked out in Browns gear. I'm excited for this. Um, pray to good Lord above they win tomorrow. Um, number one defense in the NFL. You look at the Baltimore Ravens, number two defense in the NFL. You look at the Dolphins, a very explosive offense, which masks an underrated defense. Um, let's look at other teams that are in this in this position. AFC or yeah, AFC South. Um, Texans have a good defense. Uh, Jaguars have a good defense. Um, shit, even the Bills have a decent enough defense. The playoff field in the AFC is crowded with a bunch of good defenses. And the Chiefs are included in that. The Chiefs' defense is at an elite level. But the thing of it is, the offense is holding them back right now. To me, the Chiefs will not win the Super Bowl this year, and it's going to be because of the fact that they have a lot of question marks at off on, on the offense. But it is not going to be Patrick Mahomes' fault that they won't win the Super Bowl. They're going to get as far, however far they get, it's going to be because of the defense and the leadership that Mahomes has developed being with the team for this long and because of Andy Reid being one, arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time. You know, when it comes down at the end of the day, no matter what anyone says, the fans will always blame one person for a team's failure. There's no fan that can say it's the whole team's fault. Because when you honestly, when you look at it, you can't blame an entire team because you have four or five people. They have the same mindset. This is what we're going to do. Then you have someone else that comes in and say, hey, we're going to do this, do that. That's not how it's going to work. It's not the whole team's fault. There's always one person that's going to have that correct answer at the end of the day. More than likely, Andy Reid's going to have that more of a correct answer compared to a Patrick Mahomes. Because Andy Reid's been around this for more than Patrick Mahomes has. So, at the end of the day, I'm still blaming Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> but what has Mahomes truly done to deserve the blame? I mean, the only thing you can negatively put on him is that he's thrown 14 picks, and not all of them are even his fault. Has he had some bad reads this year? Of course he has. What quarterback hasn't? Is he looking like the MVP he was in the years past? No, he definitely hasn't. But when I look at the roster from top to bottom. I mean, Mahomes, I look at who he had before. I mean, he doesn't have a guy like Tyreek Hill right now running deep enough routes. Um, and quick, once again, quick side note, uh, former Chargers tight end Antonio Gates has been named a Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist. Um, so a big congratulations to him. One of the greats that I was thankful to grow up watching as well. I mean, hell. You want to talk about feeling old? Most of these guys, if not all of them, that have been named that I've named on this show so far, I grew up watching. Holy shit, that makes me feel old. 
But I digress. Patrick Mahomes, I look. I mean, this is a guy that if he retired tomorrow, he's going in the Hall of Fame. This is a guy who's already one of the greats. And I don't think he would have thrived in a lot of other places as much as he's thrived with Andy Reid. I think Alex Smith working, being willing to work with him has had helped as well. But Mahomes is not the reason the Chiefs are 9-6. and six. And if anything, he's more so the reason they have nine wins than the reason they have six losses. Because when you when you're an opposing defense and you already know what the weak spots of a team are you're not intimidated no one's intimidated by Kadarius Tony cuz they know he misses the wide open stuff no one's intimidated by MBS you've seen it on primetime Jerry this dude will dive out there and not on a pass he doesn't need to dive for and he'll drop the ball like Hardman, it was great bringing him back for the sake, I guess, of nostalgia. And even though it's not, he's not that old, but the fact that everybody goes, hey, look, McCall Hardman's back. But he's not really done much, you know? And Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes are forever going to be one of the greatest tight end quarterback duos of all time. Up there with Rivers and Gates, uh, Brady, Gronk, I mean, and... Basically, anybody that, that uh, threw to Tony Gonzalez. But I, I'm still baffled at how Mahomes can be blamed for this when he's the one that's still keeping them alive in this, along with the defense. I'd give it a couple more games. I'd well, there's only two more. left. Well, hey, a couple more games to go. what? couple more games so they're just done i mean one way or another the chiefs are going to make the playoffs yeah. to me let me tell you something there is no way the, the chiefs it would take a lot to happen for the chiefs to miss the play i don't even think it's aesthetically pop there needs to be a lot of scenarios to happen at this point for the chiefs to miss the playoffs and i don't think the chiefs are going to hit any of them um because Right now, when I look at the Chiefs, I see a team that, uh, oh, well, hang on one second. We got the full list of the finalists. Um, I said Antonio Gates, Julius Peppers, Devin Hester, former Rams wide receiver, Torrey Holt has been named a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, Jared Allen, Patrick Willis, Fred Taylor, Dwight Freeney, uh, Darren Woodson, Rodney Harrison, Jerry Evans, Eric Allen, and Willie Anderson. Um, so a big congratulations to all 15 of those finalists. Um, and hopefully this is the year Terrell, or not Terrell, Tory Holt gets in. Um, but let me get back to this whole thing with the Chiefs. They're going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to win the division still. This just delayed it for a week. This week showed that there's a lot of flaws that the team has that I think will get exposed in the playoffs. But I also think that they now acknowledge that they have issues and that it's going to be worked on in the offseason. I, you know, you got to look at the free agents that'll be a wide receiver. You know that they're going to want to look at getting a wide receiver in the offseason. Whether it be through the draft, 
but most likely through the free agency. Um, and I want to say this before I pass it back to you. People that blame Taylor Swift for the fact that the Chiefs are losing games and struggling and Travis gets emotional on the sideline, cut me a damn break. It is not Taylor Swift's fault the Chiefs lost to the Raiders. It is the Chiefs' fault they lost to the Raiders. Um, Taylor Swift didn't fumble the ball that went for a touchdown. Taylor Swift didn't throw a pick six. Taylor Swift didn't allow 20 points. The Chiefs did. You know, I get it. People can be annoyed by the overexposure of a celebrity. Believe me, that can happen in any sport with any athlete and any celebrity. It happens. It's life. But it's so asinine that you you would want to blame Taylor Swift. And I don't mean you personally, Jared. I mean, like, people in general that want to say she's the reason the Chiefs are losing. Because let's not forget, the Chiefs lost to the Lions week one, and Taylor Swift was nowhere near Arrowhead Stadium. So I really find this hard to believe. Um, but that's what I had to say about that part. You know, I'm gonna say this. There's two teams outside of my favorite team that have really stood out this season to me so far. That has been the Dolphins and the Ravens, honestly. Because normally those two teams, they usually suck. Honestly, they normally suck. This year, they've really stepped their game up. I don't know what they've been doing, how they've been training, but they have really exceeded the expectation than usual. Would you agree about that? For the most part, yes. I do think the Ravens... I mean, look, the thing with the Ravens is they're just not... A closing team. They are fantastic in the regular season, and they've done decently well in the playoffs over the past few years, but just never got over that one hurdle to get to the big game. They've yet to get to where they need to be with Lamar Jackson. But Lamar is still one of the greatest athletes I've ever watched play. Um, and keep in mind, look at the shirt, look what's in the background, look at the hat. This is it's and it doesn't take a lot for me to say being a Browns fan, that Lamar Jackson is phenomenal. Um, I think the Dolphins' offense is absolutely electric. I do think that their biggest problem is they just, you know, struggle to beat teams that are above 500. When it comes to the big games against the big teams, they, they haven't been able to really lock it down. And, of course, I need to throw my Cleveland Browns in there in the AFC, because let me face it, you lose your starting quarterback, your starting running back, your starting left tackle, your starting right tackle, your, let's see, multiple DNs, multiple linebackers, um, your kicker, your punter, um, you've lost a couple safeties, all of that. You basically get Joe Flacco off the couch and you are 10 and 5 and still have a chance to win the division. 
The division's not out of the question for Cleveland. The number one seed's not out of the question. To me, Kevin Stefanski should be the NFL coach of the year. There is only one coach in the entire NFL that if he wins it over Kevin Stefanski, I would be 1,000% happy for, and that is Dan Campbell of the Detroit Lions. Because the Detroit Lions, I mean, you want to talk about a team that's done phenomenal? 11-4, and four, they won the, their first NFC North title. Last time they won a division title was 30 years ago, and it wasn't the NFC North. Um, so, and Dan Campbell was on this Detroit team that went 0-16 in 2008. He was a tight end on that team. He's been there for the bottom. And he's helped bring this team, a bunch of guys that nobody thought would do anything this year, and look, revitalize Jared Goff's career. Look at where they're at. You know, so there's a lot of surprise teams or surprise performances. Baltimore, I mean, on Christmas, they absolutely shut down San Francisco, who's considered to be the best in the league. Their defense is, it's almost just like the Ravens defense being great is almost just a yearly tradition at this point. You talk about your Christmas traditions. Well, a yearly tradition is the Ravens uh, defense being like elite at a top level. It's just always usually been the offense. But you got Lamar Jackson, and despite the fact J.K. Dobbins got injured, you have uh, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill. um, You had Keaton Mitchell, but you have Odell Beckham. You got Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar. Like, the Baltimore Ravens have a very good team. And that's why a lot of people I've talked to predicted them to be the Super Bowl, not only Super Bowl representatives for the AFC, but the Super Bowl champions. Um, I, I don't think it'd be a surprise. Do I obviously keep predicting year after year that the Browns are going to win it? Of course, but I can totally see it if the Ravens end up being the team. Um, cause quick side note, uh, before I pass it back to you, there's only one team in the NFL that's beaten both the Ravens and the Niners this year, and that's the Cleveland Browns. And I tip my hat off to that one. You know, I'm going to walk backwards when you talked about possible coach of the year they did good good at best but if you want to talk about top two contenders the one I would put there is Nick Sirianni 100% him the guy has completely turned the Eagles around since taking over as the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. If you just look at their record ever since he assumed, yeah, they've had some hiccups here and there, but look at this season, 11-4 right now. If you want to talk about possible Super Bowl contender, I give it 100% to the Eagles. And I, like I've always said since I've started watching roundabout sports, is that the Eagles will be always will be number one on my team. The Eagles will always take over the Super Bowl. The Eagles are will always be number one. No one can tell me any differently about the Eagles. <laughs> but 
Nick Sirianni 100% would be coach of the year, in my opinion, and I think in most other people's opinions. But when it comes to the Ravens, I will also say I also kind of wouldn't be shocked if they did make it to the Super Bowl. But I think this season it would shock a lot of people if they were thinking about it last year. If you ask somebody last year, oh, do you think the Ravens are going to go to the Super Bowl next season? I think a lot of people would have said no. Fast forward to this year, I think they have a 90% chance of being at the Super Bowl. Winning it, that's a different story. Well, a big chunk of it's because Lamar Jackson's contract situation was an abs- is up was, was up in the air. They didn't know if Lamar was even going to be back with the Ravens. Obviously, it turns out that he was. Um, but I get what you're saying about the fact that the Ravens met. The AFC North is a very confusing division. Because right now, you got the Ravens in the number one spot. You got the Browns in number, at second. You got the Bengals in third and the Steelers in fourth. And they're all... The, all of them have seven or more wins. You may not think that's a lot, but, I, I mean, that's pretty damn impressive if you ask me. So I look at – at one point they were the only division to not have a losing record, and at one point they were the only division to have all four teams in the playoffs that the season ended on a certain day. Um, but I look at the AFC North, and, I mean, look, Baltimore is the favorite for it all. A lot of people think it'll be Baltimore versus uh, San Francisco again. Um, some think it'll be Baltimore-Dallas. Some think miami Dallas. Like, right now, Jared, if the season – before there, before I move, before we move on, I want to ask your last question for this on this thing. Who is your Super Bowl pick as of week six – no, it's of week 17 of the NFL season. Obviously, it's subject to change, but it's of week 17 of the NFL season. Who are your Super Bowl picks, like, to face off? Eagles. Dolphins. Okay. I'm going to go with the one that uh, everybody, a lot of people want to see, and it would be a, I think, a rematch 70 years in the making. Browns-Lions. I really do. Because the last time both teams had 10 or more wins in the same season was 70 years ago. And they met in the NFL championship. So um, I can totally see it happening again. I would love to see it happen. Um, Now, we talked about, first off, for those just tuning in, thank you so much for tuning in to the Season 3 finale of Roundabout Sports. I'm the maestro Jeremy Carp alongside Jared Shannon. I want to talk about next. This is an absolute, you know, we say this about sports all the time. Sometimes it's just a business. Okay. Russell Wilson, um, quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Now, we know that he was recently traded to the Denver Broncos 
Um, after um, the 2021 season. Now, he had the trade was that the Seahawks traded Wilson in a fourth round pick to Denver in exchange for two firsts, two seconds, a fifth, quarterback Drew Locke, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, and tight end Noah Fans. Um, so, you know, after that, Russell Wilson signed a five-year, $245 million contract with the Broncos, and a lot of it was guaranteed, and we're we're first off, we're grateful that the, the night owl, Renee Martinez from the Wrestle Talk podcast, is joining us this evening. Um, always a pleasure. Check them out every Tuesday night. We got a special show for you with them on January 9th. You all won't want to miss it. We'll make sure to share it here and all over social media. Um, but always a pleasure. Now, um, yes, Renee, Russ is definitely pissed because let me let me quickly just get to this. The Denver Broncos just benched Russell Wilson. Now, the Broncos are one game out of a playoff spot still, despite losing to the Patriots. Broncos are one game out of a playoff spot, and they just benched Russell Wilson for the final two games in favor of back Jared Stidham. And it has nothing to do with performance-related stuff. Russ is thrown for 26 touchdowns, only eight interceptions, almost a career low. Over 3,000 yards, a 66% completion percentage, a 98 rating. It's because of financial reasons. And this is where a lot of people are um, really... It involves the incentives that he'd be getting. So if Russell Wilson could pass a physical by March... He would be getting thirty-seven million more guaranteed than he's on top of what he's already getting, on top of the thirty-nine million he's already getting. That's guaranteed. Well, the plan for the Broncos is to cut Russell Wilson before when they would have to pay him the thirty-seven million dollars. So this was strictly, and they've made it clear this is strictly a financial issue. They sign. Look, people can talk all they want about the Deshaun Watson contract not being good. At least the Browns are trying to start him and play him when he's not injured. And when he plays, I mean, Deshaun Watson's a career 8-4 and four with the Cleveland Browns. You know, he went 5-1 and one this year. Meanwhile, Russell Wilson, been struggling, went 7-8 and eight this year, struggled last year. Um, so, and but now he's being done dirty by his own team. And because of the new, new collective bargaining agreement, the players' union can't step in. This is nothing that can be done. But ex Wilson's expecting to be cut in March by the Broncos. Um, and he's known this, apparently, sources say, for over two months. Jared, what do you think about the fact that the Broncos are going to get rid of a, a quarterback that's still very well capable of performing at a high level? For the main reason of just saving some money. You know, 
earlier today I was reading an article from ESPN about the situation, and the one thing that stood out to me from that article, it stated, quote by quote, the trading Wilson before June 1st would leave the Broncos would, would leave Broncos with a staggering 68 million in dead money next year. Yep. I look at it at this. Are they willing to have dead money in their hands or continue dealing with Wilson? Cuz along with that 68 million in dead money, it would also that option bonus. Denver, they could convince the acquiring team to pay that $22 million option in a bonus, but would they likely do it? No. It would just leave the Broncos more in that financial situation than they're already is in. But at the end of the day, I personally believe this. Wilson is wrapping up his NFL career. I, I mean go out like this no i give him one or two more seasons so say he's 35 years old i can see him playing till he's 38 39 he's still a very good dual threat quarterback hell if aaron Rodgers can tear his achilles i'm still jury's out on that and make an improbable comeback which we know he's coming back next year he's already cleared to play now but the jets are out of the playoff so they there's no point playing them. Um, you know, I still think Russ has a lot left in him. But I don't I, I don't like what they're doing to him. I thought the contract was bad. Hell, I thought the Deshaun Watson contract was bad. I think a lot of these big contracts are bad. But at the same time, at least some teams honor the contract. And restructure cap in a way to where they can work it to where he can still get paid and they can still extend players while the Broncos are just going to say, Hey, we're just going to cut you loose after two years. And that's that there's the right way to handle these big contracts and the wrong way to handle it. And the Denver Broncos are handling it the wrong way. And Jared Stenham is not an NFL like number one quarterback starter. In my personal opinion. Um, and Denver is going to have a mid-first round pick. Um, and I don't know if they would be able to get a good enough quarterback then. I don't know. I don't know what their true quarterback plans are for the future. We, st- As of now, Russell Wilson's still on the roster. But at some point or another, you got to decide yourself. Look, to me, Russell Wilson is still the third best quarterback in that division because you got Pat Mahomes, number one. You got Justin Herbert, number two. You got Russell Wilson, three, and Aiden O'Connell at number four. I'm not even counting guys like Easton Stick, Jimmy G, like Jared Stenham, you know. Right now, the ch- Russell Wilson is getting screwed over royally by the Denver Broncos. Um, and while I don't necessarily say to myself, damn, poor millionaires, 
At the same time, from the human standpoint, it's some real bullshit going on in Denver. And, you know, Denver, they're projected to pick number 13 in the 2024 draft. They do decide to get rid of Wilson. They would have already missed their chance to even consider a good player for that for that replacement. But let's say they do cut Wilson. Who or let's say what team do you think would best fit for him in that 2024 quarterback market? I mean, the first thing you got to look at is who would still be on there. Who, what team would need a quarterback by then? Danny Dimes will be coming back for the Giants next year. Dak's still going to be with the Cowboys. Jalen Hurts is still going to be maybe the Commanders. Um, they bench Sam Howe. They do now while they still while Sam Howe had a great, really good season. A lot of his yards and touchdowns came in garbage time and the commanders still sucked a big one i can see him going to command to the commanders i could see him believe it or not um i could see him going to the nfc south possibly the saints um there's no way he's going to the bucks because let me tell you i think baker mayfield's found himself a new home and I'm very happy for that. That's my comeback player of the year, by the way. Look, I'm going to say something. This is going to complete side note again. It's my ADHD. I'm going to say something. And it's going to probably piss a lot of people off. And if it does, so be it. I'm pissing people off for years. It is what it is. I get almost dying on the football field is unbelievable it's tragic and we were we were in shock we were scared and we were so thankful that Demar Hamlin um fully recovered from his cardiac incident um last year okay but there is no reason in my opinion Demar Hamlin should be comeback player of the year this year He's played in only a handful of games. He's only made a couple tackles. To me, the comeback player of the year is supposed to be when a guy suffers, something occurs the year before, and the guy comes back the next year and is a major reason for the team's success, which to me is, number one, Baker Mayfield. Struggled last year with multiple teams. Went to the Panthers, struggled. Went to the Rams, struggled. Just went all over, struggled. Then what does he do? He comes to the uh, Bucks. They're on the verge of winning their division. Then let's go to Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco was sitting on the couch five weeks ago. And now he's got the Browns one win away from the playoffs. I mean, give me Lamar Jackson even. Lamar Jackson was injured most of last year. He missed the end of the year with the knee injury. Um, the Tyler Huntley started the wild card game. So I look, or at least played a good chunk of it. So to me, DeMar Hamlin, what happened to him that night was tragic. 
a lot of millions of prayers were sent out, including ones for me. And I'm so thankful he recovered and is back in the NFL doing what he loves. But DeMar Hamlin does not deserve to be NFL Comeback Player of the Year because on a basis from what he's contributed to the team's success does not compare to what guys like Baker Mayfield, Joe Flacco, or Lamar Jackson have done for their team. I just, you know, that that's where I'm at with that. Um, so... You know, I'm going to say this last thing about Wilson. Honestly, I could see him going to the Falcons or the Patriots at the end of the day. Because, hello, because if you consider it, the Falcons and Patriots, if you look at whenever they're doing their draft picks. They're they're mainly looking more for that veteran presence. And it just comes to the at the end of the day, Wilson, he's a veteran in this NFL game and the Patriots and Falcons need someone of his caliber. He can still throw and he does amazing on the field. Win, lose, he can still carry himself on that field. I think the Falcons, there's going to be a lot of question marks heading into next year. The biggest one is what the hell are they going to do with Arthur Smith and Desmond Ritter? I think Arthur Smith is not the coach that can lead the Falcons to where they can be based off of how good their offense is. I think Desmond Ritter um, showed some good things this year, but he also showed a lot of raw talent that needs to be improved on. So I could see Russell Wilson maybe going to Atlanta, but it cannot be the long-term solution. It can only be a short-term solution or a mentorship role, and I don't know if Russ would take that. So that's just my thoughts on that. Um, I do – so moving on now, I wanted to bring this up, and I know that Jared – has heard about it at the very least. So apparently somebody who was, this is in the realm of professional wrestling, somebody who knows somebody that works in within WWE, apparently leaked the Royal Rumble script. Oh, don't get me started on that car. And, <laughs> and, you know, and basically it's a sheet of paper with a WWE logo on it. And it says the names of the entrants from the men's Royal Rumble match. You got the men's Royal Rumble and the women's, but they just have the men's. Um, now, first off, if it, if this list is even remotely true, well, obviously WWE is going to change things. I mean, they don't become the biggest promotion in the world by just letting stupid shit like that fly by. But Jared, go go off. Go on, go off. You know, I will say this. Every year, some person that doesn't have a hobby, job, a life, that's a keyboard warrior, that's on social media, they get bored. They get on their little computer. They make up a fake little document, toss random names, toss this, toss that, because they're bored. 
They want attention. If you look at a couple years ago, they were saying Jay White, Kenny Omega was going to be in it, The Rock was going to be in it, and The Rock was going to win the Royal Rumble. People just don't have a hobby, so they get bored. And then you have wrestling fans, no offense, that believes into it. But whenever someone tries to correct them, they're like, no, it's true. You see, there's a WWE logo. I could toss a WWE logo on my hat, and would you believe that I'd work for the WWE if I had their logo on my hat? No. So it's just some random person that has no hobby, job, and if they're watching this, apply for a job and read a book because you're too bored. That's what I'll say about that. (laughs) I mean, it's fair enough, and look, I feel like it would also, based off of how the sheet looked, I figured it would look a little more professional if it was something from WWE directly. Whereas the list that is shown looks like it's just something out of like Microsoft Word. Um, And not saying Word isn't professional, but come on, you're a multi-billion dollar company. Obviously, you're going to do something a little more specific and detailed. Um, But yeah, I, I saw that. And, you know, it's crazy to think about. The other thing I'll mention about that is why would WWE put it on a computer a whole month early? Think realistically, a multi-billion dollar company typing something up on a computer, putting it in a file a whole month early where they change things on the fly. They'll rewrite a whole show hours before a show. If you're thinking more realistically, you'd be thinking they would have an official document date of hours before a show. Not a whole month before a show, because let's say they could sign someone the day before the Rumble and have them debuted at the Rumble. You haven't heard they signed Brogan Finley, the nephew of Fit Finley. He could show up at the Rumble. They can send him to NXT, work an NXT show on a Wednesday or Tuesday, and then have him do an NXT live show and then debut on the main roster at the Rumble that same week. I don't think many wrestling fans really put all of these thoughts together to actually think of the realistic truth of these things that they're seeing online. But yet, those people that believe that, they'll be the same people that say, don't believe everything you see online. Where's your source? So. Yeah. Um, so I have one more thing I want to talk about, folks, this evening. It's actually kind of... <sighs> It's obviously it's sports related. It's mm, I can't believe it's even it even exists. Like, okay. So in the world of basketball, we've had a lot you have a lot of good teams and you have a lot of bad teams. Well, the Detroit Pistons have tied in all kinds an infamous type of bad. Okay. On Tuesday, so yesterday, the 26th, 
The Detroit Pistons set the NBA record for the longest losing streak in a single season. Now, before I say how many games, Jared, give me a guess. Hmm. Ten. Okay, Jared says ten. Folks, let me tell you something. The Detroit Pistons dropped their 27th consecutive game with a one hundred with a one eighteen to one twelve loss to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, they could they are currently two and twenty eight on the season. And in case anyone's wondering, yes, that is last in the entire league. You can't get much worse. Um. And one of the players, guard Cade Cunningham on the team, um, got 41 points for the Pistons, and despite that, they lost. Um, so the – let's see. Hang on. There we go. The over – now, this is the losing streak for one season – now, the Pistons could soon tie the overall record-losing streak, which is 28 games that was set by the Philadelphia 76ers over the course of the 2014 and 2015 season. They lost 28 games in a row. Um, but this team has tried to rebuild time and time again. Um, got high draft picks in the lotteries and got a plethora of young players. And head coach Monty Williams uh, asked whether his team's nerves were too tight at the end of recent games because the players were desperate for the streak to end. He said, quote, is it heavy? Yeah, I would imagine for everyone it is. Nobody wants this kind of thing attached to them. I was brought in here to change this thing, and it's probably the most on me than anybody. I mean, imagine being a coach in that position. You're here to change the culture, and your team is has lost 27 straight games. It's it's un- unbelievable to think about. And I mean, I've seen some bad basketball teams. I've seen the Sixers. I think it was in 2012, 2013. I saw the Cavs. Basically, after LeBron left, um, the Cavs were an absolute mess um but this is on a whole new level jared um so they've they have reached the level of infamy and they're on the verge to create setting a new record so we'll see how all that pans out and you know there's one more thing i want to say take about two minutes you know Last week, a week before, there was news that broke out about the Atlanta Braves, who broke a lot of Cardinals fans with this news, that they released Matt Carpenter days after acquiring him for a quote-unquote bad contract. But then that also cost Atlanta Braves $4 million dollars. So, I look at at this. Who really won that situation? Matt Carpenter or the Atlanta Braves? Because now in Atlanta Braves, you lost someone that has value in this, in this industry of 
baseball who has that draw of some sort and who can still pl play on that field. But you just acquire him, then just immediately release him. I think to most fans, that would make it seem like Atlanta Braves, they made a decision that they didn't really think about when acquiring him in the first place. Yeah, and Matt Carpenter is such a beloved figure in St. Louis, uh, and I know it was a very confusing situation when it was hurt. No, it was revealed that they released him per bad contract situation, but you know Matt Carpenter still has a lot left in him. I give him about ten more years. Hell, I'd love to see it. Well, folks, that's gonna about do it this week. For the season three finale of Roundabout Sports, I want to thank everybody for tuning in all year long and all these three seasons so far. I know next week we're going to kick it off with the season uh, four opener, and um, at least tentatively we plan on having it next week. Um, I'm grateful for everybody that t uh, checks us out on um, interstate70sports.media. Our articles have been read in over 100 countries across the world. Um, we're extremely grateful for all you. Um, grateful for everybody who's on the I-70 Sports Media Facebook page, on the Twitter account. You know, you can follow Jared and myself on there as well. We're on YouTube and Interstate 70 Sports Media. All of it is such appreciated. It's your support that keeps us going. Um and of course, as we always close the show, uh, and folks, be once again, be sure we're on every Wednesday, unless said otherwise, at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, but as we close the show, we always have the NAMI helpline at 1-800-950-NAMI. That's 1-800-950-NAMI. Uh, it's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. It's the nation's largest grassroots mental health organization dedicated to building better lives for those who struggle with mental health issues. Um, and of course we always put up the suicide and crisis lifeline, um, you know, and for that you dial, um, 988. The line is open 24, seven, 365, 366 on leap years. Understand that you're never alone in this world. There's always somebody out there who loves you, who cares about you, who wants nothing but the best for you and to live the best possible life you can. Um, that's all that can possibly be asked for. And you're, we all go through struggles every day and you are just a phone call or a text message away. And you could also be the listening ears for somebody else who's in need of help. Um, so once again, um, I want to thank Jared Shannon for being on as always. Um, I want to wish a happy anniversary to uh, Hollywood James Knox and his wife. Um, we're always thinking about you each and every week. You know, we can't wait for the time when you get to be back here. Um, but until then, folks, I'm the Maestro Jeremy Carp. And remember, life is a book full of empty pages just waiting to be written in. Make your lives worth reading. Happy New Year and good night, everybody.